2: is the key to learning, and it is absolutely the key to understanding AI.
1: I'm Salisa Steele.
0: I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 346, which features a conversation with Paul Reitzer. Paul is CEO of Marketing AI Institute. Before starting the Institute, he founded PR2020, HubSpot's first partner agency. Marketing AI Institute's mission is to make artificial intelligence approachable and actionable, and they do this through three primary areas, community, education, and technology. Paul and Salisa talk about what artificial intelligence is, as there's not always agreement on the definition of AI, why Paul believes we're at a tipping point with AI, the five P's of marketing AI, and use cases where a learning business looking to start leveraging AI to help with marketing might focus first. Salisa and Paul spoke in February 2023.
1: So tell us a little bit more about the Marketing AI Institute, the work that it does, and your role there.
2: I am not a AI researcher, technical AI researcher. I am not a machine learning engineer or data scientist. I was a liberal arts major. I came out of the journalism school at Ohio University in 2000. And so for me, my curiosity with AI started in 2011. And I looked at my unique ability was to tell the story of AI to make it make sense to other people. So I spent a few years myself trying to understand it. And once I felt like I'd developed a reasonable grasp of what it was and what it was capable of doing and developed a point of view on what I thought its impact was going to be on our industry, on business, on society, I started to share that. And that was the origin of the Marketing Institute is I looked and said, well, we're doing all this work. I'm spending all this time trying to learn AI. Maybe other people will be curious as well. And let's just tell the story of it. And that was the origin of the Institute back in 2016. And today it's a media event and education company that largely still does the same concept is make AI approachable and actionable to marketers primarily, but more and more its businesses as a whole and business leaders.
1: Do you remember what it was specifically that got you interested in AI back in 2011?
2: IBM Watson won on Jeopardy in January, February 2011. So Watson defeated Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter. And I didn't understand what it was, but I was intrigued. So I started just trying to figure out how does that tech work. And I had a very specific use case in mind. I thought once I comprehended it, in essence, what it does is it predicts the probability of something being correct. It doesn't. Watson didn't know if answers were right or not. It had a confidence level based on its knowledge. It would look up, you know, do a lookup of information, and it would understand the question to a degree, and then it would give a confidence level of, let's say it's above 92% or whatever the number was, then it would ring in an answer. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if, you know, people came to our agency to try and figure out ways to grow their business, and I was using my limited human mind to try and figure out how to do that. And in 2011, there was like five ten thousand 10,000 ways to spend your money. When I got out of college in 2000, there was like five. So my feeling was the world had become too complicated, too complex, to be able to do those things, marketing strategy in particular. And it seemed like AI might be able to help do that. If I could build probabilities of a campaign working or not, and the machine could tell me, yes, that's a good way to spend $10,000 or Mm $100,000. So that use case is what originally drove me, was can I use AI to build smarter strategies?
1: Very interesting. And I do feel like before we go too much further, I should pause and ask you to define artificial intelligence because I think it's one of those terms that gets thrown around and maybe people don't always know exactly what it means or maybe they have slightly different things in mind. So tell us how you define artificial intelligence.
2: Yeah, both of those statements are very true. Many don't understand it. And then even if they don't agree on the definition. So I spent years trying to find a definition that I thought made sense and that could be explained to non-technical people. When I started looking into it in 2011, the only people talking about AI were the technical people. So you had to sort of synthesize what they were saying and try and figure out what it actually meant. They would explain AI by using terminology you didn't understand. (laughs) Like, it's just like, okay, I don't even understand the words you're using in the definition. So I eventually came across an interview in Rolling Stone magazine with Demis Hassabis. He's the CEO of DeepMind, which was a a major AI research lab that Google purchased in 2014. He is still the CEO of, of DeepMind. It's just a part of Google now. And he said AI is the science of making machines smart. And I thought it was the clearest explanation of AI. What he means by that is think of a machine as software. So anything you use software for is a learning management system, a CRM, an ad management platform, a social media managed platform, whatever it may be. Just think of the software you use to do our jobs. It never gets better unless new features are released in the software. And then you have to learn how to use the new features. The software never does anything that you don't tell it to do. So all software we are used to using in marketing, sales, business, learning is human powered. Humans write the rules to tell the software what to do. What he's saying is AI is the science of making machines or software smart, meaning the software starts learning on its own. It starts adapting and evolving what it does, what you're capable of doing based on new information it gathers. So if we send an email campaign to drive people to convert as new learners and you send 10,000 emails right now, the next email you send, maybe you look at the analytics and you try and figure out I need a better subject line or I need a better offer or whatever it may be. In the case of AI, it looks at the data, all the data, and it finds anomalies and open rates and clicks and things and conversions. And it starts to, send smarter emails. So that's the premise is like, rather than us having to write all these rules and tell software what to do, the AI can learn from new information and it can improve its recommendations or its predictions or outputs based on that information.
1: So Paul, you and I are talking in February of 2023 and this feels like a sort of a watershed moment in artificial intelligence. I know that you've talked about it as being a tipping point in AI. So would you explain what you mean by now being a tipping point and why you think we are at a tipping point?
2: I thought we had reached an inflection point in the middle of 2022 when OpenAI released Dolly2, which if you're not familiar is an image generation technology. So anyone by the summer of 2022 could go on OpenAI's site and access Dolly, create an account. It was free initially, and then it was like $15 a month. And you could give a text prompt, and it would generate an image, a photo-realistic image, an illustration, a chalk drawing, whatever you could imagine, you could generate images with. That was a very important turning point because AI became tangible at that moment. So you use AI dozens, if not hundreds of times every day in your personal life, with Netflix and Spotify and Amazon and Google and all these different technologies, social media, TikTok, Twitter, like none of those things are possible without AI, but you don't know that's what you're using. You don't like willingly say, I'm going to you know go use an AI tool. Dolly was the first moment where anyone could go and use an AI tool and actually be in awe, like that magic moment of how is it doing that? And then show other people like, look at this, like give me a text prompt, like I'm, I'll generate six images for you right now. So that started it and then November 30th of 22 is when ChatGPT came out and it just blew the doors open. So it exposed what now is, as of two days ago, projected to be 100 million monthly active users of ChatGPT, the fastest growing consumer technology in history. So within 60 days of this technology coming out, 100 million people are purported to have used this technology. And it is, if you haven't tried it yet, it is, it's mind blowing. I mean, it really is shocking that a tool can do what it does. Now it's not necessarily to me because I, I knew what was coming and there was actually versions of this already living within other platforms. It was just, it was the right tool at the right moment with the right interface. And it, it just took off to their own surprise. They didn't, there was a New York Times article just this morning that they had no idea that this was going to happen. It was a, I don't know, but it changed everything. It, it, The average person now knows what ChatGPT GPT is and people from all walks of life, all business backgrounds have tried it. And I mean, I get the texts from family, friends that I not even know knew I worked in AI <laughs> about like, oh, I use this tool. Like, oh my gosh, do I have a job in six months? So yeah, it changed everything. It made AI accessible and to some degree understandable.
1: And you, of course, focus on kind of a specific use of AI, Mm -hmm. the use of AI for marketing. So would you just describe for us how you characterize the current state of AI marketing and then where you see it headed from this point going forward?
2: For a few years now, I've said that I thought that within three to five years, at least 80% of the things we do every day as marketers would be intelligently automated to some degree. And what I meant by that was if if you're a writer, you know, if you write copy for blog posts or articles or whatever, that you would be using AI in some capacity to help you be a better writer. If you're creating courses, you would be using AI in some capacity to write the scripts, to produce the videos, to you know transcribe the audio, to summarize the transcriptions. Like It would be a part of your life. Just two days ago, I changed that to the next two to three years. And I think that might actually be conservative. I, I think within one to two years is actually not unrealistic that 90% plus of what we do. Will be assisted by ai I, I think that the other major thing ChatGPT changed is the urgency for other major companies being microsoft google meta amazon to release the ai that they have sitting in their research labs we saw it just this week microsoft made multiple announcements including microsoft teams now has gpt baked into it and it'll automatically transcribe all recorded meetings and extract highlights and to do's out of that transcription they just yesterday announced microsoft viva has gpt baked into emailing and you'll be able to have sales emails written by just clicking a button and it'll pull data from the crm to write them so if you start thinking about how you build membership bases or how you move memberships into learning products and nurture them along it's very manual. You have to think about those workflows and how you're going to communicate values and upsell and you know, promote the new courses and things like that. There, in the very near future, AI is going to be baked into every CRM system and AI is going to be assisting in writing all of that stuff. So it's really just a crazy moment. And I think we're going to see an accelerated adoption curve for AI and a lot of technology. Mm-hmm.
0: We're grateful to WBT Systems for sponsoring the Leading Learning Podcast. Top Class LMS provides the tools for you to become the preferred provider in your market, delivering value to learners at every stage of their working life. WBT Systems' award-winning learning system enables delivery of impactful continuing education, professional development, and certification programs. The Top Class LMS team supports learning businesses in using integrated learning technology to gain greater understanding of learners' needs and behaviors, to enhance engagement, to aid recruitment and retention, and to create and grow non-dues revenue streams. WBT Systems will work with you to truly understand your preferences, needs, and challenges to ensure that your experience with Top Class LMS is as easy and problem-free as possible. Visit leadinglearning.com slash top class to learn how to generate value and growth for your learning business and to request a demo.
1: One other thing that happened last year is that you published a book that you co-authored, a book called mm-hmm. Marketing Artificial Intelligence AI Marketing and the Future of Business. I'm not sure exactly when in the course of 2022 did it come out? Did it come out before this? June. In in June. Okay, so right at that sort of inflection point that you were kind of pointing to. Talk a little bit about what prompted you to write the book and, and what you hope to achieve with that book.
2: I tried to write it in 2018. I've published two books prior. I talked with my publisher, exploring the idea. And I felt I got to the proposal stage with the book and I felt like I was very clear on the beginning, like how this all happened, going back to the 1950s, like AI is not new. This is, you know, 70 plus year old technology and visions of what the technology could do. So I was very clear on how we had arrived at where we were. I felt like I had a fairly clear point of view on where I thought it was all going. I realized I didn't know the middle part of the story. I didn't know how it was actually being used in the moment. So I was seeing a future state where all this intelligent automation is everywhere and it's baked in. But then I was looking around and talking to the software companies and talking to marketers, CMOs, VPs, And it was what I would call my Fermi paradox. Like the Fermi paradox being Fermi looked out at the universe all those years ago and said, like, where's all the intelligent life? Like we have all these stars, all these galaxies, and yet nothing. We just look out and we can't find anything other than what we have here on Earth. And that was kind of how I felt about AI. And it seemed like it should be everywhere. And yet everywhere I looked, it wasn't. There weren't case studies to be told. There wasn't, you know, brilliant SaaS products being built where AI was just baked in from the ground up. There was a bunch of just like interesting things happening. I was like, I don't think we can write this yet. I don't know that the story's there yet. And then 2022, a lot changed. So 2021, I read a book called Genius Makers by Cade Metz. And that made clear to me why the Fermi Paradox moment was happening for me in 2018, why the tech wasn't there yet. The breakthroughs hadn't happened yet that have enabled what we're seeing today. So by 2000, late 2021, I was ready to take a shot at telling the story best I could because I thought it was critical for the industry and the business world at large that a more approachable text existed that wasn't a technical book that was written for marketers and business leaders. And so that was the, the challenge was how do you write something when you know the technology is going to obsolete parts of it immediately? We had a very strategic An intentional effort to write a book that would stand the test of time. And so far, like I'm actually, one of the things as an example I dealt with in one of the chapters was, can AI be creative? And I think that's actually the subhead in one of the chapters. And I wouldn't change anything I wrote. And I wrote that nine months before ChatGPT came out and four months before Dolly 2 came out. And neither of those things would change what I said. So I think that's good. I think the fundamentals, stayed true.
1: <laughs> well, good. Yeah, no, that's uh, amazing given, like you said, just how fast technology in a AI field can change. And so I'm yeah. um, really focusing on those basics and what can stand the test of time. I also really appreciate your focus on an approachable and actionable look at AI. And so knowing that you are very practical in what you do, I, I would just love to talk about some of the primary hurdles and obstacles and risks that you see when it comes to AI. And then, of course, on the flip side, what do you see as some of the biggest advantages and opportunities if organizations embrace AI and use it for, in the case of learning businesses, developing, promoting, selling their learning products and services?
2: Well, let's take the, the two parts. So the first is the like limitations and obstacles. Is that correct? True? Yep there's limitations within the technology itself. So there's the assumption that I'm going to go use chat GPT and it's just going to magically write all this stuff and it's going to be correct and things like that. And that's partially true, but the machine doesn't actually know facts. Like right now chat GPT has no idea of facts. It's one, it's not connected to the internet. So it doesn't have anything new, like since the end of 2021, even in its training set Two, the way the models work is they just, they predict words. They don't actually know truths. They have no idea of facts and no context to, ha- to even process that information. So I think there's there's this like unrealistic expectation maybe of what AI is actually capable of doing. But then there's also an underestimation of what it's capable of doing. I don't think they understand the breadth of the impact it's going to have on learning, on marketing, sales, service, product development. Like, Learning management systems, for example, that many of us use—I have a learning management system for our online academy. They're archaic. Like, I've looked around for smarter learning management systems, and they are—I can't find them. So that that software, that vertical, like within the software world, is very slow to to build smarter technology, where you have recommended courses baked in. Like, almost think about how your experience with Netflix or Spotify but have that baked into online learning. Like I shouldn't have to set the rules of she took this course. Now I'm going to recommend these two courses. It's like, it should learn those things and it should be able to build profiles. And so I think about like this future state and some of the limitations are people just haven't built it yet. But, you know, I think there's, then there's just more macro level limitations, which are some of these big organizations have more advanced technology and they can't release it because of fears of misuse or bias, or like all these like much bigger problems, like ethical concerns about responsible use of AI, because it goes far beyond just AI writing tools. It's it has a deep impact in a lot of areas. So I think that there's those. And then there's just the internal issues of no one understands this stuff. So how are you going to build it into your business? Like, sounds great that I can go intelligently automate emails or scripts or nurturing of, you know, learners or whatever it may be, online advertising, but who on your team gets it and can actually figure this stuff out? So there's a massive lack of understanding and a lack of education in all industries. This is a fundamental problem in business because AI has been taught as a technical ability within universities. It's the only way it's been taught. There aren't AI 101 for business classes. There should be, I've been preaching that for five years, but there aren't. So nobody on the business side really understands it and therefore you can't build business strategies around it. And that's probably the biggest limitation right now is that leaders of companies just don't even know to do this. It's an unknown to them. (laughs) So that's the limitations in my mind. And then the second part of the question was, what? Remind me again? Sort of
1: about advantages and opportunities if organizations embrace AI.
2: Right now, there's a first mover advantage to figure this stuff out before everybody else because we're not talking about incremental gains. We're talking about you know, order of magnitude gains. I've been advising companies of late like you got to stop thinking about 10, 20% improvement in efficiency, in output, in quality. And what's 10x improvement look like? I wrote a thesis in May of last year, again, pre pre dolly pre-ChatTPT, and it said the future of business is AI or obsolete. And the basic premise is that every business in every industry will either be AI native, meaning you just build a smarter version of that business from the ground up. So if I wanted to build a learning management system today, I could just look at the best ones and, and say they're elementary. Like, here's how you build a smarter learning management system. Like, let's just infuse AI into every aspect of it from the ground up. And I just build my own learning management system. AI emergent is, I already have an online education business and I'm going to figure out how to infuse AI into the marketing, sales, service, product, every aspect of my business. I'm going to make smarter over the next two to three years. I'm going to become AI emergent. And then the third kind of company is obsolete. You're irrelevant and it's not going to happen overnight. Business models aren't going to go you know, under just in six months, 12 months, whatever. But over time, if your peer groups do build smarter businesses, your ability to remain competitive will crumble because they're not improving by 10, 20%. They're improving by 100% or more in terms of their productivity, efficiency, creativity, decision making. And so that's, yeah, I've yet to find an industry where I don't think this will be true. That's where I think the opportunity is to be the ones that become AI emergent, to figure this out now. And over time, you don't have to flip a switch and become all AI overnight. You don't have to solve all of this right away. But you can learn the fundamentals of this stuff applied to business and your industry and your focus in weeks. You don't have to go back to school. You don't need a degree in this stuff. It's just learning to look at problems differently, learning to look at how to run your business in a smarter way.
1: And I've heard you uh, write about, seen some of your writing around these five P's of AI marketing. And I just think that would be really interesting and useful for listeners. So would you just explain what those five P's are and sort of how AI gets used in those areas?
2: Yeah, the planning, production, personalization, promotion, and performance are the five P's. And the reason they exist is because back in 2016-17 when we first started the Institute, we're looking around and trying to find AI technology And we would find these vendors, and then we were trying to figure out, well, what category do they fit in? And what you realized is, like, let's say HubSpot, for example. HubSpot, in their early days, had, well, even today, they had, like, 8 to 10 AI features within their whole platform. So the platform itself has, like, 90 or 100 or whatever number of tools. Like, 10 of them were using AI. So if you wanted to say, okay, like, HubSpot has some AI. But it's like, well, how is it using it? Is it an email? Is it in, you know, advertising, social media? And so I just stepped back and I said, okay, if you're like a CMO or an executive in business and you're trying to think about the different ways you can apply AI at a very macro level, what is it that we do? Well, are we planning? That could be business strategy. It could be pricing. It could be content strategy. It could get into all these different areas. But, like, we, we build plans, then we produce things it could be content it could be ads it could be social media shares it could be whatever like any of these categories it could be content for our courses so you have production then you need to use ai to do personalization so i want to go beyond just sending the same stuff to 10,000 people and whether it's through my online chat experience or my ads or my copywriting and my emails i need to personalize that stuff and ai enables personalization Promotion is how are we going to get this word out about this? We're going to distribute. We're going to send our emails, do our you know, social media shares. We're going to do all these things. And then performance is how do I move from manually having to review the analytics data to having the AI surface insights and recommendations for me? Because it's arduous to have to go in and look at all these charts and spreadsheets. And I just I want that surfaced for me. So we started seeing these sort of five buckets that you could take all these technologies and think of them as like, is this a planning tool? Is it a production tool? Is it a tool that can help me personalize experiences? Is it something I'm going to use to help promote my courses and my content? Or is it something that's going to help me analyze performance? And so like, I've never felt like that, those five things were it, like we were always going to categorize those that way. But it helped me in the early days develop clarity around the different macro-level ways that AI could be applied in business. And so we've continued to reference them, but the, I wouldn't say they're like fundamental today to how we position AI. Like I don't talk about it in my intro courses and things like that, but we did include it in the book just to kind of give people that perspective.
1: If a learning business is looking to really get started with leveraging AI to help it market its educational products and services, what would you recommend? Are there sort of some obvious places or use cases to start with?
2: I would just start with smarter, more intelligent, automated versions of what you're already doing. So the best way I always look at it is what we would call a use case model. You take a spreadsheet, you know, here's the tactical things we do to create our courses, to market our courses, whatever it is. Here's how many hours a month we spend doing those things. Here's the tech we're using to help us. And here's how much we would value having AI help us with this. So if you're spending 50 hours a month on email segmentation, you know, manual personalization, sending, reviewing the email reports, trying to improve open rates and click grades, like if you're investing a bunch of time in email, maybe it's 500 hours, I don't know. That might be a really good place to start. Like, is there a smarter way to do email? Whether it's just writing our subject lines for us or personalizing send time, or maybe we can do a smart newsletter where our 500 learners or our 5,000 learners get personalized versions of the email. So the same email newsletter doesn't go out to everybody at the same time with the same links. It actually starts to learn what things are interesting to that person. I always tell people, start with what you already do. The easiest way to understand the impact of AI is to look at a current workflow or process. Let's say it's podcasting. You know, it's a huge one. We use AI like five different ways in our podcast. We have 17 specific steps for every single podcast. We looked at and said, well, which of these steps can be intelligently automated to some degree? We use Descript as the main tool we use to do it, but we infused it into that specific use case. It's like, okay, transcription, speaker recognition in the transcript, summarization of the transcripts, converting it into blog posts. So we'll you know draft the blog post So all of these things, and it's saved a massive amount of time because the podcast is a core part of our promotion to drive we ha- again, we have an online education business. So we try and drive people to a conversion point to where they actually want to buy the online classes and become a member of the online academy. So I just say start with what you do. look at I always talk about it in like user stories. Today, Someone spends 40 hours every month doing these 17 steps. If we can buy Descript, it's going to help us do six of those, and that's going to save this person 20 hours. So 30 days from now, this person will now do the same 17 steps with the help of AI in half the time. Great. Like, let's do it. Let's go spend the $29 a month for Descript. Let's commit to trying it over 60 days, learning how to actually use the tool, doing a little onboarding, and let's see if we can't get that 50% improvement or whatever that number is. That's how you start. You pick very tangible things where you're going to be very clear on did it work or did it not. You don't just want to go get a bunch of AI tools just to say you're using AI.
1: And so if we go back to your thesis about that AI are obsolete, I mean, this idea of picking these use cases, looking for somewhere where you're spending a lot of time thinking about a tool that might be an AI tool that might be able to help you reduce that. I mean, is that how you get to that AI emergent business? you I mean, start. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's two parallel paths. The one is the use case model, which I think about quick wins, very narrow, specific use cases. I like to tell people, do them in four month sprints, give yourself 30 days to really assess the use case, look at a few different technologies, get the tech, get onboarded, and then 90 days to run it and see if it worked or not. And then you either keep it or get rid of it at the end of 90 days. So that, but you want to start with one, but maybe you got two, three of those projects going on simultaneously. Like you're constantly testing these tech, you're not committing long-term, you're just testing. The second and the critical element to AI Emergent is a problem-based model, which is you're looking at larger scale issues in the organization. We have our churn rate is 80% above where it needs to be to make this a sustainable business. Our conversion rate on members who take the first class, but don't convert to full membership in the academy is way below where it needs to be, like these fundamental things where it's like, what can we do different to, to solve this problem? And so you define the problem and then you say, what is the value to solve it? And now you have a larger business case say, okay, we think if we can improve our conversion rate two percentage points, we can generate another $100,000 in revenue this year. So it's worth it for us to spend three months trying to figure this out. And even if we have to spend $50,000 in consulting fees and tech, we're going to see that money back if this works. So basically, it's looking at problems saying, what is a smarter way to solve this? But those are bigger picture they have greater value to the organization. It might be a series of tools and AI use cases combined. So I always say you want to have those two paths parallel. You want to have quick wins with the use cases and you want to be working on bigger problems. I generally advise one to two per year per business function. Like, you know, so the marketing team maybe is working on something. The operations team maybe is trying something. But you don't want to have too much going on where you're not actually going to make any progress.
1: And you've mentioned this a little bit, the fact that you have resources to help folks learn about AI in marketing, and maybe you can share a little bit more about that. But just you've also said, too, that, you know, people aren't getting taught this in school, you know, that there's not really a course. So just how would a learning business, again, that wants to take it seriously, you know, they're going to do some of these quick win use cases, they're going to maybe think about the problems as well but just how do they help their team understand kind of what's possible or get familiar with the tools or whatever they need to know to be able to start leveraging AI for marketing?
2: I mean, I'm not here to promote what we're doing at the Institute. We have, it is what we've been trying to solve there, I would say. So we have thought through that learning journey of, okay, someone was told internally, hey, we have to figure out this AI thing. Who's, who's tried ChatGPT? Can you figure out AI for us? And all of a sudden, some associate is in charge of solving AI for the company, or it's the CMO who is in a peer group, and their peers—it's all anyone's talking about—and they need to solve it for their team. So we have to think about personal growth or business growth, and team growth, and we've tried to devise step-by-step learning journeys for those kinds of people. And so that's what we have done. What I would say is, you're going to need, and especially like if you have bigger teams, you're going to need some sort of dedicated AI internal training program. And that could be a collection of existing online resources, paid or and or free resources. It could be a book club. It could be an experiential thing. It could be bringing in an outside consultant. Like you have to decide your business, the budget you have available, the impact that you believe this is going to have on your team in the near future. And then you got to go like we so we have a lot of I would say so for our piloting AI for marketers course, which is like the series we created as this step by step journey, we launched it in December, we have a lot of individual learners, people who are like big corporations and small, who are trying to figure it out for themselves, because they see an opportunity, then you get, you know, an email yesterday with somebody's like, I want 40 licenses, I want to put 20 of my my team members through it in the first phase, and I want 20 more after that. And so you start to see the organizations that are looking at, we have to level up now, everyone. And so I think, you know, again, we're talking about online learning and learning professionals here. Like we all get it. Like there's, you can go after the individuals and try and create change agents, or sometimes you get lucky and you get the people who have the vision to transform organizations and teams. And I think we're at the stage with how quickly this is all going to move People have to have a vision to transform and upskill teams. It's going to be essential. You can't hire these people. You have to upskill people.
1: So this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And so we always like to ask guests who join us about their own lifelong learning and how they pursue that. And so I would love to hear if you have habits or practices or resources that you draw on for your own lifelong learning. And of course, I'd be especially interested to know what role AI might play in your development learning plan.
2: Yeah, I am a huge believer in the importance of ongoing learning. I mean, even when I owned my agency, I hired a lot of people straight out of college and preached uh, heavily to them that the only reason I was in the position I was in, at, you know, when I started the agency when I was 27, you know, my, my early to mid-30s is because when I got out of college, that's when the learning started for me. I wasn't like the greatest student in college. I did my work and got good grades, but I just did it to pass the tests for the most part. When I got out of college and I started finding a purpose, then I became very intentional about what I learned. I didn't go back for an MBA. Like I didn't see the value in that in our industry, but I read everything. Like I would just be like, okay, I want to learn branding now. And I go find the five best books on branding, or I want to learn how to be a better strategist. And I'd go find the best books on strategy. So in the early days that, which I missed, that meant walking into borders and buying five books on a Friday night. Like that was my learning back in, you know, after college. Today, I would say it's a heavy mix of audiobooks. And I have a very specific set of podcasts I listen to. And I force myself to do it. And the reason I do audiobooks is I force myself in downtimes to learn. So when I'm at the gym, when I'm in the car, when I'm laying in bed at night, I often listen to stuff when I'd probably rather be playing video games or listening to music. I I force myself to learn. And then if the books are good, I buy the digital version and I reread them and highlight, and then I export the notes and then I synthesize the notes, use that for inspiration. So today I would say a lot of that. And then I actually use Twitter, believe it or not, is my primary learning vehicle for AI because the beauty of Twitter right now is many of the leading AI researchers and scientists are actually active on Twitter, and they share their inside thoughts about what's going on. And so I connect a lot of dots about the state of AI and where it's going by listening to what they're saying and then trying to understand why they're saying it now. And that's what I've learned through the years is, they have their own way of saying things and many times they're giving warnings or they're tipping their hand at what's coming. And if you know how to interpret what they're saying, you can actually get there early. And so that's how I kind of learned.
1: Well, thank you, Paul, so much. This has been great. Anything else from your side before we officially wrap up?
2: I would, I mean, we're talking to you know people who teach for a living and help other people learn. To me, curiosity is the key to learning and it is absolutely the key to understanding AI. If you have some level of curiosity, maybe it's the first time you're really sitting down and listening to something about AI, just pick the part of it that's fine, that seems fascinating to you and like pursue that thread. Like you don't have to learn all this stuff, you don't have to be able to give a talk like this or anything, just find the part that's relevant to your domain and pursue it, pick one thing. And I think you'll find that it probably holds a world of potential for you in your business.
0: Paul Ratzer is the founder and CEO of Marketing AI Institute. You'll find a link to the Institute's website and Paul's LinkedIn profile in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com episode 346.
1: We encourage you to check out Marketing AI Institute's website as they offer a lot of actionable, practical resources on AI, including a podcast on AI. And if you reach out to Paul on LinkedIn, mention that you heard him on the Leading Learning Podcast, and he'll be sure to accept your connection.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, or if you enjoy the podcast in general, we'd be grateful if you'd rate the Leading Learning Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So Lisa and I would personally appreciate it. It doesn't take much time. And those ratings help others find the show. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a rating.
1: And please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one conversation with a colleague or a personal note, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 346, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook.
0: Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.